So it's going to be a really key time for us as a community. More details on that one will be out shortly. Well, we get today, we're finishing off a series that we've been preaching on for more than a year on our core values. And this is the last one of them. We'll be finishing this up in the beginning of February. And this is that we have hope in a glorious church. And I think it's a wonderful way for us not only to finish this series, but to start this year. Because what we speak on is what this year we're going to be really putting into the community and helping us live and become that glorious church that we're meant to be. You know, and we are only part of the church, we're part of the body of Christ, but we are, we are part of that body, and so we need to reflect God's glory in everything it is that we do. And so the specific one we're going to be speaking, or the specific point of hope in a glorious church that we're going to talk on this morning is that we are the bride of Christ, and that we are going to, as the bride of Christ, successfully fulfill the Great Commission. You know, my notes are playing games with me up here, so they are, I'm, I don't have the exact thing that is, it is up there on your screen. But the heart of this is that the church isn't defeated. The church is powerful because of Jesus. Right? We are his bride. He is the one that by his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, it's him that's made us clean. It's him that empowers us. And it's all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the devil. Is that what it says? No, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Matthew 28 Verse, you know, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so his commission to his disciples, which is commissioned to us, his commission to his church is therefore to go and make disciples of all nations. And so this is our commission as his glorious church. We're going to be reading from Ephesians today. I want to take us on a journey through Ephesians because it talks so well about this. There we go. So again, now that I've got my notes here, the church is the bride of Christ and she will successfully fulfill his great commission to make disciples of all nations, which means the nations will experience transformation. The Lord's Prayer our Father who art in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Our role is to fulfill the great commission. It's to bring heaven to earth. It's to transform society. The church is glorious and it's been God's intent and we're going to read it in Ephesians that it's through his church, the church of Jesus Christ, not just the church of Lifehouse, the church, every believe, person that believes and is surrendered to Jesus, that is a disciple of Jesus and that Jesus is the Lord of their lives. Through his church, this great commission is going to be fulfilled. That the nations will be transformed. And we need to see that that's our role and understand 
that it's not a role we fulfill in our own strength, in our own ability. We actually do not have the strength. We actually do not have the ability to do it. But we do have the power, the choice to surrender our will to his will and let him work through our lives to bring transformation. Amen? This, this topic I could spend six months preaching on because it gets really, this comes down to what we, you know in theological terms is eschatology, which is your view of the end times. And there's a number of different ones in North America, a really popular one based on someone's novel, Hal Lindsey, is this concept of the rapture and that the Christians are all going to disappear and we're going to be caught up in heaven and, there's, you know, and then all these terrible things are going to happen. It's the opposite view of what we're talking about today. And so we do not have time in these four weeks that we're talking on this theory to go into all into the, the depth of eschatology. I'm going to talk a little bit about it just to give us, but if it's something you are interested in, you're like, I really need to understand this and I want to get my head around this. There is lots of resources I can give you to really understand eschatology in depth. But the thing that I want us to grasp with this is that our hope is not in our rapture. Our hope is not in our disappearing. Our hope is in our transformation of the world. Okay? And this is so important. It's so important. Because the difference of this is when, when the mentality, when we're just waiting to be raptured, is that we are just, you know, huddled down, society's falling apart around us, but there's this little remnant of the church that's being protected and that eventually is going to be rescued. And it takes our thinking... It's, it's amazing, interesting, as the more popular that view became in North America, the least effective the church became. We disengaged from society, we stopped transforming from society, and the church just became this little holy huddle that stopped transforming the world and was just waiting. And so right now, you'll hear a lot of stuff, and if you look North any North American Christian TV, you know, and, this, and this, it's gone from North America out to the world, this thing, so you hear it all over the place. You'll hear right now, right? I mean, Donald Trump he has attacks Iran, and immediately it's, oh, this is the World War III, it's the end of the world, the end times, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all this is about to happen right now. Now, Jesus told us that we will not know, right? And again, this becomes a very, a very long, explained topic, the, 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 the basic of it is that Jesus gave his church a mission. He gave us a mission. And our, regardless, they thought they were living in the end times in Paul's day. Okay? They, were, they, they thought they were. And even in that, they were given a mission. And their mission, Paul never wrote. You know, the disciples did not write to the church who that they believed they were living in the end times, withdraw from society, be a little holy huddle, and, and wait for Jesus to come back. What he did do was teach the church that they were to go out and transform the world. You know, that they were to be the salt and the light and we're not just to be a light on a Sunday morning. We're actually, it's here that we get the fuel that we need to go out and be a light in the world through the rest of the 20, 
two or however many, I can't do the math, <laughs> 22 hours in the day on Sunday and the other six days of the week. Right? That is what it's all about. It's about us having hope that Jesus really will work through your life to transform society. It means everywhere you go, it means in your workplace, you are a light that is there to transform. In your neighborhood, you are there as a light to transform. In your school, you are there as a light to transform. God's glory, his grace, it works through you to affect everything around you. Just like we've talked a number of times through this series, that, you know, we, Jesus, you know, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, based on their theology, ran from the lepers. They ran from those from sin. They separated themselves from them to keep them holy. Jesus came as holy and washed them clean. He went to the lepers and transformed them. He went to the sinners to transform them. Right? And so, this glorious mission of the Great Commission is for us to go into the world and bring transformation. To bring transformation. Is there an end times? Absolutely. Is Jesus returning? 100% he is returning. Will there be a final judgment? Yes, there will. So when you hear me going, you know, talking about us not having a holy hutter waiting for the rapture, we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. When the second coming of Christ happens, there will be a final judgment. There will be a separation. There will be, a new, according to Scripture, a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. A final transformed world. A final transformed world. Where the, Satan no longer has any power, no longer, you know, has, is, is no longer affecting people's life. The beautiful thing in scripture from beginning to end is we start in the Garden of Eden and we start in this new Garden of Eden, which they refer to as the New Jerusalem. I want to encourage you, especially in these days, do not get caught up. I was starting to go there and I got distracted. Don't get caught up by everything going on in the Middle East. If you really want to understand eschatology, it has very little to do with what's being presented to you by the media. Again, it's a big topic that I've spent hours and days and months reading on. It's not something I can try to communicate to you in a 20-minute preach. But if you want to understand this, happy to, to point you in the directions. We actually have someone coming into the church in March who has written an entire book on Revelations. It's what he's, actually, uh, he's actually written, not just written a book, he's written one of the most, he's co-authored one of the most respected commentaries on the book of Revelations today. And God made a connection with him with us. You know, and so not, you know, it's not, he can explain every possible theory and why, you know, why these theories, where they came from, what's, what's wrong with them, and why, you know, why we can accept certain ones. Sorry, Siri started talking to me up here. <laughs> you know, and it's really important. These things are important. At the end of the day, you know, I say this because our goal is not to become experts on the book of Revelations, right? Our goal is to be trans people transformed by Jesus. 
our goal isn't to become experts on the end times, right? Our goal is to be transformed new creations in Jesus. Right? That is why we are here. It's what we're doing, you know? And unfortunately, again, we have, we have a world where there's tons of information, but not a lot of wisdom or knowledge, right? That's a reality. And so we accept different things being brought to us, but they require, they require significant study, you know? They require some of these things that we, these theories that people present, we've really, they, if we don't understand what's being presented to us, we accept things that are not true. It is very important for us in this, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on what he taught. Let's focus on being his glorious church, his absolutely glorious church in this world. Not waiting to be rescued, but transforming society and transforming this planet so that on the day that Jesus returns, he finds his bride in its glorious state, you know, doing what he commissioned us to do. Amen? So, with all that, let's turn to Ephesians 3, verses, verse 10. And Ephesians is amazing. It's an incredible book. The part of Ephesians that we're looking at... Paul has just been talking about the fact that there's this new church being formed with Jews and Gentiles. That the mystery, one of them, he talks just in the few uh, verses before that about this mystery, the, the administration of what Christ has done. He goes, what that mystery is, is that the, the Gentiles are saved as well. That it is that now both the Jews that believed in Jesus and Gentiles that believed in Jesus, anyone that wasn't a Jew by birth, they're all united in this new body, the church, this new body of Christ. And so it's from here he talks about and writes about the power of the church and how it's supposed to function and how we're this glorious church. So we're starting in verse 10, and Paul writes here, he says, that his intent, his being Jesus, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through him, oh, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence incredible, right? His intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it was God's intent. God's intent was that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Powerful. Through you, through the church, through our lives, through our, our walking with Jesus, through our transformation by Jesus, that, that what the church should be, should speak and testify to all those around us, Jesus. Jesus. And looking at our lives and looking at how we are and looking at our families and looking at our character, it should speak Jesus. 
and looking at the power, not only power in terms of signs, wonders, and miracles, but the power to break the chains of sin, the power to transform character, to transform hearts. That is what the church is for. That's what it's for. It says in verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul then says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which is your glory. He says that because he's writing this letter from prison, where he's been in prison for testifying about Jesus. And he says then, in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Why does he say that? Just a little aside. So it's not just, well, we're the children of Abraham. It's like, no, 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 it's no longer about being children of Abraham. It's about being children of God. Children of the Father. Jews and Gentiles united in one new church. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We should, the church glorifies God. We glorify God in everything we do, in everything that we are, in everything about us. We are to bring glory to him. Through our own power? No. We've just read, it's through Jesus, it's through his power, it's through the power that is immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. In other of his letters, he talks about the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Why is this important? Because you don't have to be transformed by your own willpower. You actually can't be. Our transformation, we become the glorious bride of Christ in our, in our willingness to surrender our will to him. Your will is your, your decision-making center of your soul, of your body. Your will is what makes you choose. What Do I choose this or do I choose that? Do I go this way? Do I go that way? That is an exercise of your will. And our wills is where... We go, I will surrender my will. I'll surrender my, willing, my ability to do things on my own and my give that to God. That means I can't change myself. You know, if, we, if you ever tried to bring about, you know, those areas of our life that we prayed for this morning, right? I said, like, if there's things that you want to leave behind, that you leave at the cross. I can imagine things that you brought, that brought to mind were things that maybe for years you've been wanting to change. You don't want them in your life, but like it says in Romans, we do the things that we don't want to do. Right? That we have these things 
in our life or circumstances that it doesn't matter how much willpower we try to apply to them, we aren't able to transform. And it's those things that we need to lay at the foot of the cross and thank Jesus. Lord, thank you that you've set me free from this. It has no power over me. Thank you that you've set me free. And the accuser comes and the devil comes and goes, it does have power over you because you did this. Or that circumstance, or that person's making you mad. Or that this person thing's making you do this. Or that thing's making you do this. And you go, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have set me free. Thank you that you set me free. That person has no power over me. That feeling has no power over me. That addiction has no power over me because your name broke every chain. You broke every chain. And this is how we become glorious. We become glorious by our surrender to our faith in him that what he did is more powerful than any addiction, any habit, any thought, any circumstance, any character default. And we can give them to him and he will transform us. He will transform us. He will transform us. He brings a transformation. Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? It is when we reflect the character and the power of Christ in everything we are and everything we do. That is the full measure of Christ. The full measure of Christ is your life, you, your character being transformed, your soul. Uh, it's a whole teaching that we'll get into a little bit later this year you know, about will, heart, soul, spirit. But for the purposes of this, your soul is basically the part of you that encompasses your will, your heart, your emotions, your feelings. It talks about us not forfeiting our souls. It talks about our souls being saved. Your soul is what makes you you. And our souls, our souls are formed by every little choice and every little decision we make. When we lie, we take a little thing out of our soul. When we repent of that lie, we heal our soul. Every decision and choice. Again, we don't have the power to transform our souls in the sense to make them like Christ, but he does. What we have the power to do is choose to be Christ-like in our behavior. And when we find ourselves behaving in ways that are inconsistent with that, changing it. Why? Because we've got a mission and a, trans a world that needs to be transformed. And when they look at the church right now, they go, your lives are just as messed up as ours. There's no truth in what you're saying. And if we can't allow Christ to transform our lives, no amount of preaching, no amount of power, no amount of, of testifying is going to affect this world because they just look and go, eh, I look at you and you're telling me Jesus, but you're not transformed. His church is glorious. We're meant to be glorious. And this for us, we're meant to be a holy set-apart people. 
a holy set apart people. Again, this is not, not saying this to you so you can beat yourself up and go, I've got to try harder. I've got I've to be more. I'm saying it to you so you can invite God into the areas of your life that need transformation. Because it's not by your strength, it's by his spirit that we are transformed. It's by us going to him and allowing him into our lives and he transforms us. He transforms us. He does the work. Right? And he will always, if we go, well, I'm inviting God in and it's not changing, well, the problem is truly not on God's side. It's really not that he's not changing you. The thing is, go, Lord, where am I holding on to this thing? You know, and sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's instantaneous. But the more we invite him in, the more we get changed and the more glorious we become. And then our lives speak. You know, and the power flows. Our lives speak. It's so important. It says in verse 14, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I say this boldly, but this thing about not being blown here and there by every wind of teaching. I realize I'm only giving this little teaser thing on the rapture thing, and I, I do it to stir in you that if you believe in that theology, like, to really study, to really understand, because you can't hold on to Jesus and hold on to that theology. You can't fully understand who Jesus is and believe that theology as it is. But if we don't know Jesus, then we can be blown here and there by all kinds of winds of teaching. If we don't know who he is, we can be blown all over the place. And the church is blown all over the place. There was time in my life I was blown all over the place by different things. You know? And it's, it's these, when we know Jesus, when we've become to the fullness of him, this is not perfection. It's about his character being constantly, continually formed. You know? That we won't be blown all over the place by every wind of teaching. But we become mature. And he becomes our head and we're surrendered to him. It says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists were not given to do the work of Christ. They were given to build you up so you can. For too long, for too long, the church has relied on big names, you know, and, and exalted people, but not empowered, not lived in empowered lives. It's not here ever about me being on a pedestal or anyone else being on a pedestal. It's about all of us together building up, encouraging one another, and going out and transforming the world. I could have the greatest preaching gift in the world, which I don't. But if I did and I could fill stadiums, you know, great. But what effect? To what effect? Because at the end of the day, Christianity is not lived out by an event. And it's not lived out. Giving, making a decision for Jesus can be undone. You know, you hear of the, the people, I mean, Reinhard Bronke, who had an incredible gift, just honored with a memorial service. Incredible man. God used him so powerfully. But even for them... You know, of all the people who would give their life to Jesus, they could, you know, maybe 6% of the people that gave their life to Jesus actually walked that out. You know, that that became real. 
And, and it's not about people making, you know, giving their life to Jesus in a meeting. It's about becoming disciples of Jesus and our life being transformed. Disciples. And big names and stadiums do not, do not make disciples. They may catalog and be a catalyst for a decision. I'm not saying they're bad. But without an empowered church, it doesn't matter what happens there because the seeds all fall on ground and can't, that can't, grow, can't grow them. We need to be that glorious church because we all need to be able to disciple people to fulfill this great commission. This city's transformed when every one of us feels empowered and feels ready to run. The section between Ephesians 4, 17 and 5, 9 is so important, but it's already 12 o'clock, so I'm, I'm not going to go into it in depth. You all have Bibles, read it. Seriously, it's a great exercise in reading it, right? If you don't have a Bible, you have access to one online. If you don't have access to one online, come and ask us, we'll give you a Bible. Because we've got to be reading our Bibles. But we've got to not just read them, we've got to study them. We've got to understand them. Here, Paul says, I'll just read verse 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking for they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. In verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Sadly, Sadly, so many churches you can go into around the world and that is, would be the description of the church. And Paul writes this warning to the Ephesians where he talks about the fact, he starts off in talking the, in the letter to the Ephesians, talking about the fact that they've been chosen and they've been, that, that they have been purified by Jesus. And he warns them in this section of the letter, says, look, you, have, you are this new creation, so don't live like the world does. You mustn't live that way anymore. It's totally inconsistent with who we are in Christ. And now, for all of us, we can go through that list and might be able to pick things off that still affect us. You can go through the Galatians and find the things that are of the flesh and pick things off that still affect you. And it's those things that we need to go, Lord, come in and heal my soul. Come in and heal my soul because I'm not meant to live like this anymore. These things are not meant to be here. They do not belong. They have no place. They have no place. This is not who I am. And to be that glorious church and transform society, we cannot excuse those things in our life. But we've got to be a loving community where it's fine for us to confess our sins. And what we find when we confess our sins isn't people going, oh, you're dangerous, stay away from me. But we go, brother, sister, let me pray for you. You know, it says in James about confessing your sins to one another. I think it's in James. I might be misquoting my apologies. And then it goes on and says, but watch out so that you don't, you know, you don't fall into sin. And we so often interpret that as, a, oh, I've got to be careful because I might get infected by that person's sin. That's not what it's saying. It's saying don't fall into judgment of the person. That's the sin, right? The sin is when we start judging one another. You know, a safe, holy, 
Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused community, it, it doesn't make room for sin in the sense of excuse it, but it makes space for confession and healing, repentance and change. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to skip this section just to bring us to a close. I'd highly encourage you to read that, though. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. That's how Christ sees us. Holy and blameless. We've been washed. We've been made clean. Christ gave himself up for us so that we would be that radiant bride. You are that radiant bride already. Just scrape off the mud so you can shine. Amen? And that's what we do. We go to God and we allow him. It's about us laying down our agendas. You know, this is not about, the world is not looking for personal ministries. It's not waiting for the sun or the one person or that to rise. We all have ministry. You know, it's not about, it's about us just going out and being Christians. That's what it's looking for. It's not looking for James Colgan ministries or Adam and Lukey ministries or all the other things, all the other stuff that isn't actually anywhere that's biblical or part of the church. It's looking for a church, a people, a family, people that actually know Jesus and are going, I have a life of joy and peace. I have a life where I'm not living by the standards of the world and chasing after the things of the world. My life is one of joy and peace and love doesn't mean that people won't be used of God to go and equip. I'm not saying that. So please, don't, don't read into things I'm not saying. It's just, it's this business mentality that we can get into. It's like, you know, I need my little ministry franchise. No, it's looking for family. It's family, family, family. People loving one another. The power of God working through them. Churches being established. Churches being planted. Paul went and created families. He didn't go to a place, speak a message, and leave. He went to a place, established churches, gathered a group of people, put leaders in place, did all these different things so that family could grow. And then he kept coming back and visiting and writing and encouraging so that those families would become that beautiful, amazing, glorious bride of Christ. In his last bit of that letter, he says, just talking about the armor of God, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on to describe salvation and the different parts of the armor. We stand firm against the devil's schemes by remembering who we are in Jesus, that we are holy and blameless. We're that radiant church and that things that are that are not of have no part or place in our lives. And we stop making excuses. We transform. We love. 
we honor, we care for, we help each other, and we build each other up to be that glorious, radiant church so that this great commission is fulfilled. It's time for the church to take its rightful place in society again. Amen? Wonderful. Well, Lord, I just bless... I can't hand it over to anyone because I'm leading the meeting as well. So, Lord, I just bless everyone here. Lord, bless their souls. And let your peace dwell firmly in each and every one of us. In each and every one of us. That we'd hold firm that we'd allow you to transform and we would be those radiant, joy-filled people that you died to create. Thank you that you've washed us clean, that we're your beautiful bride. And that you, Lord, are united with us and working through us to bring your kingdom to this world. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. The ministry team is here at the side to pray for you.